What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we cover everything going on in the Stacks ecosystem. I'm your host, Jake Blockchain, and today we have Jonathan Sadlow on the podcast. Jonathan is a venture capitalist, which is a fancy word for an investor. Uh, he's a general partner and founded Gossamer Capital, and Gossamer has been one of the biggest supporters and early investors in Stacks since Mainnet. They invested in a bunch of companies in Cohort 1 uh, coming out of Stacks Ventures. Safe to say they're probably going to invest heavily in Cohort 2. And so we talk about what it's like as a VC, you know, what does a VC actually do? But we also talk about his history, like what, what did he do back in the day, which... Uh, I'll drop a little hint. It had to do with social media for one part, but he also had a pretty interesting business uh, doing urban farming, specifically mushrooms and fungi. And he has some pretty interesting takes on how these kind of like open looped ecosystems build and overlay with things like Web3 and human systems, which I thought was fascinating. So anyways, let me not talk too much. Let me jump right into this interview, which I thought was fascinating with Jonathan Sadlow, general partner at Gossamer Capital. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Jonathan, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm great. It's great to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being here. This is this is exciting for me. I, I love talking to all the different types of Stacks builders. And you're my first general partner investor type. So, and I, I'm new to this space for people who listen to the podcast. I now work at Stacks Ventures as an analyst. No experience in that field, you know. Trevor just trusts my work ethic and I show up and just do my best. And I know the stack space well, but there's a lot to cover and to explore with you about what that, what that means. Um, so excited, but I'd love to start with your background. And it's always fun to kind of deep dive into people's LinkedIn's a little bit. Cause you can see like a breadcrumb of what, what they were doing. And I see, I see two tracks when I look at your, at your resume one you're kind of an entrepreneur you're building some kind of uh mushroom type business some something in the bio field it looks like and then you were also kind of like ascending uh the kind of like corporate ladder in, di- in different fields stepping from role to role to role to role um i'd love just i mean sure. that's that, that, that's a decent bracket to build off of tell me where i'm wrong but i'd love to hear about your background you're absolutely right it's been a, it's been a dual uh kind of parallel path uh, so my my career started in Madison Avenue uh, when I got out of college, and um, I got to be a young ad exec right at the time that social media, <clears throat> Web 2.0, uh, was really starting to starting to take take place. And this is around 2006, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten around those times. And that was a great time to be in advertising. It was massively disruptive. You see media spend from television and print just taking, tanking, media spend in digital, search, Facebook, uh, you know, all of that ascending. 
And so got to really be on the front lines of that change and help drive and create kind of, uh, uh, you know, be part of the web two kind of marketing movement during that time. You know, like you pointed out, I've kind of always been entrepreneurial. I tried to launch my first startup, uh, that time, which was kind of a crowdsourcing, a design company called Fat Muffin, <laughs> which failed rather quickly, which was, it's okay. I was young and didn't know what I was doing. Um, but at that time, you know, as I was uh, a marketing strategist and working in Madison Avenue, I started studying ecosystems as a way to help me understand media systems, the economy, uh, marketing systems. To me, these are living systems. And so as I started studying more in biology uh, and getting deeper and deeper into it, I became absolutely uh, enthralled and decided I needed to go back to school and study molecular biology in grad school at City University of New York. And that's, and that's what I did. And that's kind of where my career started to branch. At that time, I had a good, um, a good network in New York uh, City amongst brand managers and, and ad agencies. And so I to kind of afford my school at the time, I would consult uh, and then study molecular and chemistry and everything. I uh, also started getting into cancer research during this time and agricultural biosciences as well um, were some, some passion points that kind of emerged. And while I was doing cancer research with yeast, which is a single cell fungus, I had to learn everything I could about fungi to do this, this cancer research. I learned that humans share 30% of a genome with fungi. They're closer to us than they are to green plants. Our best medicines come from fungi. Ecologically, they're incredibly important. There would be no forests, uh, whether it not be for fungi and the, and the interactions they have with the root systems of trees and grasses and such. And so all of these things, uh, I, you know, I wanted to create a biotech uh, and based on fungi, which I look as a platform technology. And so I started Burrow Mushrooms, the first urban mushroom farm in New York City. And uh, over time, I scaled that business up into uh, the Hudson Valley region. Uh, essentially, I kind of came to the conclusion with urban agriculture, as you start to scale that, you kind of reach a point where it's just the congestion of the city and the prices of land in the city and all of these things don't make a lot of sense to really scale up agriculture uh, in downtown areas in my my experience. So built that business up, uh, sold the majority stake of it in 2020, uh, around the same time that I had my first daughter. And then, <clears throat> you know, kind of while that, that business was being built and I was working in, in agriculture and, and doing this, um, I also uh, got recruited to work over at Google at that time. Uh, so I worked at Google uh, around 2014 to 16 on Google Cloud Platform and Google Apps for Work. And so I'd been doing consulting while I was still building my agriculture business and, and doing other things like that. So I've been in New York City tech world, very deeply kind of entrenched from an advisory and consulting standpoint. So I've always worked with startups. I've uh, been, always been very entrepreneurial and, and bringing that marketing support. And so um, really worked on, on uh, the tech side and the product and, and growth marketing side over there at Google, then got recruited over to Spacious and got to be uh, the first hire and chief marketing officer over there. We were a venture-backed startup based in New York. And we took restaurants that were closed for breakfast and lunch 
and turn that into co-working space Monday through Friday, nine to five. And so these were nice, fancy restaurants, uh, you know, that were, you know, only dinner service. And so built a lot of community through those networks, you know, went from zero to one with that business. And then it got acquired by WeWork in 2019. At that time, uh, that was kind of towards the end of uh, 2019. That was just before WeWork's failed IPO, which was a really fascinating uh, moment. And then as, as that was started to happen, I really started to seriously get into crypto and Web3 from an advisory and kind of investment standpoint. And then slowly kind of during, you know, COVID and uh, some of the booms in crypto from, you know, that I'd you know, been paying attention to from, um, you know, for the last decade, really started to catch my, my attention and decided to kind of go all in and started Gossamer Capital. My partner, Chris, we raised our first fund and, and have been uh, going, going that, in that direction ever since. After the races. Okay. You opened up a, uh, a whole can of worms. <laughs> uh, I'm going to see, see where I want to take this. You, so it's interesting. You mentioned you did social media early on. It was kind of like the golden age kind of thing. And you said ecosystems. And I thought you were going to talk about ecosystems of like people and like how people come together, but you moved it to the biospace. I'm curious if like coming from those two worlds, do you see any corollaries of how people connect and anything you learned in kind of your more ecological bio like learning education absolutely so so my partner chris uh is also in agriculture so we are kind of we have a biological lens the way that we look at the world we believe web3 and decentralization will win because nature is decentralized it's not a closed system in the way that a lot of web two companies are in nature, you don't see certain trees just grow to be 10,000 feet in a forest and, and all the others stay same. So we look at nature for a lot of inspiration patterns that we see systems that we see uh, just like we're having it, you know, in the economy with a bear market, it's, it's as much uh, emotional as it is technical and that's because you know we're human actors, and so I think if you use a living systems lens, and I think we've been kind of in this shift, this paradigm shift from closed systems thinking, um, which was really a physics-driven philosophy that really emerged around you know the kind of Einstein, the Planck times, the late 1800s and early 1900s, where physics really influenced. E- economics and everything, concepts like economic engines, right? Engines are closed systems. And really more accurately, things are living systems. The inputs flow in and out organically. And so we look at things with a biological lens and really use biology ecosystems to, to understand and hypothesize about um, you know, opportunities and investments. Yes. That's so interesting. So it seems like one of the benefits to a closed loop style system is like you're really focused on the observables and then you kind of build up primitives off of that. The the kind of more fluid and in this sense, decentralized idea is more, I'm not sure how to word it. Like it's, it is more fluid, so it's hard to grasp, but you, but you are closer to what you would assume reality feels like 
which is like what would you say when you say nature is decentralized? Like we all see nature, but it's hard to pin down what exactly, you know, you do one thing over there and it's going to have a butterfly effect of 10 things down that way. Is that kind of how you think about it? Precisely. And so, you know, closed systems, these are, these are systems that we can control all the inputs and outputs, manipulate the system and isolate the system. But in nature, systems aren't like that. The, the inputs and outputs flow organically. Sunlight comes in, gets converted, you know, by chlorophyll into uh, chemical energy and moves through the system, right? Like the bunny comes and eats the grass, the wolf comes and eats the bunny, that energy is transferred throughout the system. And, and then ultimately, you know, material is recycled, reused. And I think if you really study ecosystems and, you know, there's a whole area of community biology that I think there's a lot of learnings for Web3 to pluck because, um, you know, Web3 is all about building community and building and, and creating ownership through our, this new technology and new set of tools that we have, NFTs, DAOs, DAPs, et cetera. And so I'm not trying to say that it's simple to get your head around. I think it's really complicated. Living systems are way more complicated than closed systems. But if you can use that lens, I think it it helps you, uh, you know, get to get to truth um, in in a different way, perhaps. I hope <laughs> makes sense to me. I love that. Okay, um, and then you mentioned towards the end of of the initial spiel that you were doing some crypto advising, but you didn't. You don't have any like you didn't mention Bitcoin before that. Where was crypto on your radar as you were kind of like? it was on its ascension. Where'd you kind of peek your head in and when start watching it? Yeah. So, so in New York, um, there's a bar in NoHo called Tom and Jerry's and at least, you know, around 2010, 11, 12. So that's where a lot of us who worked in tech in New York would go and, and have a, have a beer after work and talk, talk shop. And I remember the early Coinbase team being in there and talking about Bitcoin. And, and that's kind of where I started to hear about it first. And, you know, I started kind of getting into it a little bit, just wanted to like buy some to understand the process and things like that. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my sole focus at the time. So it was something that I kind of, um, you know, let, let kind of fall to the wayside uh, with me a little bit. But as Ethereum emerged, smart contracts and, and other deeper integrations with technology started to emerge, different applications of Web3 started to emerge. I started paying attention again, saw the ICOs, uh, stuff that were happening. I wasn't super active, but you know, was uh, aware during that time of working in tech. I've always been kind of you know, ha have every bit of kind of tech on the periphery that I kind of work in or consult in or, or am, am aware of, but very, very engaged in the tech software, hardware kind of world from both New York and Silicon Valley, just because I've, I've worked in it for, for so many years. So that was kind of my early experience with, with crypto. Okay. And then you start doing VC stuff in early 2021. That's when you guys formed Gossamer. Yeah, in 2020, started to get uh, kind of more active in it. Started building building a thesis around it, and then and yes, in 2021, we formed Gossamer, created our first fund, and 
started, you know, making, making our first investments. And, you know, as you can tell, and, and, you know, what this, this podcast is mostly about is stacks. And so I got connected with Trevor early on, I guess, shortly after stacks was going into mainnet and asked to be a mentor with the stacks accelerator. Um, and, and, and that's something that I had, had already been doing. I'd already been advising a lot of startups, um, kind of in web two and, and, uh, and, in other areas. And as Chris, my partner and I were kind of building our thesis, our investment thesis, you know, we came to believe that a lot of the value was going to accrue around Bitcoin, uh, for, you know, a lot of the security reasons we were already seeing Bitcoin kind of being perceived as, you know, digital real estate, digital gold, these kind of narratives that followed. But we also saw early that it could also be a network. And so as we read the papers on stacks and got deeper into the ecosystem, I think for us, a lot of it clicked. And then there was a great opportunity for us to, to jump in and be one of the most active investors in the, in the stacks ecosystem. Very cool. Yeah. It's always great to see Gossamer supporting all the amazing companies we see coming out, like, like uh, Alex and whatnot. Lots of them. So much. I mean, uh, we don't need to to bang the drum of how uh, everything's going to accrue to Bitcoin. We all the thesis we all believe one hundred percent. But I'm I'm curious. Uh, I think a lot of people, myself included, like the uh, the peek behind the curtain I've been getting about what investors really do has been eye opening. I think a lot of people think that you just take in money and then you just pluck out good teams and you give them a check and then you just wait. And it's like pretty pretty easy hands off job. What in your in your perspective? I'd love to hear like what what does a VC do? Like what's a what's the average week look like for you, for a VC? So I think there's a bit of a distinction between traditional VC and Web three VC, and what I mean is so Gossamer we kind of behave a bit more like a hedge fund in that we have a DeFi portfolio, a multi million dollar DeFi portfolio that we manage and operate invest in along with the companies that we invest in, the DeFi protocols that we invest in. We are also evaluating creating a, another fund that's could just could be a crypto long short trading fund. You know, there's also a lot of web3 VCs that will uh, be validators on on chains and uh, do provide a lot of computer science services as well. We don't have a lot of those tools at Gossamer at the moment, but uh, it's certainly s- some areas that we're, that we're looking at into. So I think, I think Web3 VCs are much more engaged in the ecosystem. We're trying to figure it out as well. And you can't just figure it out by looking from the outside in. You've really got to be you know, you've got to be following transactions on the blockchain. You've got to be super engaged in Discord and the communities. And so I think um, it's a bit more entrepreneurial than traditional venture capital firms, which do pull in lots of capital from institutional investors, et cetera, and just allocate that, you know, focus purely on power rule of investing. It's a numbers game, competing and getting the best deals and, and, and whatnot. Um Venture capital certainly is, you know, a numbers game uh, in that way. But you know, we can make because of things like DeFi and trading revenue 
in other ways than just returns on startup investments, equity investments, and as well as tokenization. So there's a lot of different ways. So, but a typical a typical week meeting with lots of lots of teams, lots of founders, lots of new founders, and um, you know we've got a process for you know how we kind of work through that from start to finish with teams. And so we're meeting with teams. Gossamer, one of the uh, areas of added value that we really focus on is a lot of the marketing and growth side of things that I kind of mentioned to you before that I have a lot of background in. So we, you know, we have a strategic partnership with the global ad agency Widening Kennedy, where we help connect our portfolio companies to the great resources that a company like that can only bring, as well as helping to connect them to large brands and from business development standpoint. So I spend a lot of my time connecting, trying to connect big brands in to our portfolio companies to, to give them an edge, give them business development opportunities. Spend a lot of time doing paperwork, you know, reading over investment documents, coordinating with our legal team on, on all of that, whether we, you know, have to build out side letters or other kind of, you know, instruments or review, um, you know, you know, fortunately some, some of the investment documents are templatized, but a lot of them, a lot of people like to put like, you know, a little special twist on them, which then obviously creates more paperwork for us to kind of sift through. So, and then, you know, there's, uh, you know, a lot of people don't think about it, but venture capital firms are always raising uh, money as well for our next funds. And so that's something that we spend a lot of time on. You know, we're we're raising our fund now, which will be a twenty million dollar fund focused on equity and token investments. So, you know, every every week is um, you know as a, being as a small team, you know, we're we're cranking. I you know I wish I had more time, just as all of us to to get more out. I'd love to be putting more content out. I think that would be a great way to kind of get our our perspective out and uh, our thesis out and and show the great returns that we're that we're getting. But there's only so many hours in the day, right? Yeah, we know it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's the ever everlasting grind. It's interesting. You said, um, you know, you have to be super involved in some of these protocols and some of these tools to really understand them. And that makes sense. Like everyone jokes about how fast crypto moves, like crypto moves at warp speed and like a year in crypto is like 20 in regular life. And that what that means is that the ground is constantly shifting. And so to get a pulse of where you're currently standing, where, where the kind of like puck is going, you have to be closer to those things. Um, and I've, I've heard this quote, I think it's from Mark Andreessen of strong opinions loosely held. And when I first heard that, I'm like, oh, that's, I like that. That sounds cool. You know, like you fight vigorously for your idea, but if you're wrong, you scrap it for the better idea. And as I've been interacting more in this investment space, I realized how important from my perspective, why it's important is because you have to filter so fast through so many different companies and you have to kind of fall back on your thesis so quickly, make a decision and then move on. And so you have to have a conviction in your belief, but if the, if the landscape changes, you can't keep doubling back on, you know, web to social media. That would be a horrible idea. So <laughs> I, I'm curious about what does that, is that calculation right? Is that how you see it? But does it, now that you've said that about web two and web three, does that term mean more or change as a web two investor versus a web three investor? 
Well, I don't think Web two is is going away, and I think I think the winners, especially from um, you know startups all the way to Fortune five hundreds, the winners are going to be the ones that can incorporate, can kind of integrate Web two and Web three, and that's something I'm really focused on right now from a marketing standpoint, and you know, I consult with Fortune five hundreds about how to do this as well. So that's another thing that we do during the week. That quote, I think, is. You know, for anybody who really is seeking truth, um, you know, there's nothing, uh, you know, I think people who are seeking truth love more than to be proved wrong because then, hey, we found the right solution. To me, that's like, it's very much in line with the scientific method, which is something that I kind of take and just being a a biologist and chemist and uh, something that I use in, in my approaches and I think it also signals kind of, you know, the adaptability. I think it was Hawkins that said, you know, that's like the highest signal of, of intelligence. It's how quickly someone, you know, adapts to changing environment and, uh, and changing ideas and information. You know, you instinctively want to kind of double down um, oftentimes and, and uh, you know, especially in, you know, in bear markets, these are times where people can get really hurt. You know, you can double down uh, and think, hey, I'm just going to kind of, um, you know, dollar cost average down into, you know, the wrong thing, the wrong idea. So you really have to always be collecting, collecting more information to kind of continually update your, your theses and, and have that flexibility. That makes sense. I'm curious of uh, what it's like being a VC in Stack specifically, because for a lot of us, like we all believe in the thesis, we're all you know stacking, getting our our baby yield on our on our our baby bags, which have been depleted late, lately, and uh, <laughs> it's it it constantly feels like we're on the precipice. Like we believe in what Stacks is building; it's built in the right way, and so at some time in the future, it's we're going to become like known and hit some, some critical threshold, but it's always, it's always waiting. We're kind of like off in the corner. Bitcoins don't accept us, that kind of thing. People keep building though. And so I'm curious, what's that's like where you're, you know, been here since cohort one of accelerator, invested some of those teams cohort two is coming out right now. How do you view, you know, has that shifted at all in the past year and a half since my net launched and, and how do you view stacks in, in that way? It's a great question. You know, we our thesis is 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 not changed, but we also invest in other chains as well. Stacks is is the primary chain that we have invested in so far. And so, you know, I think I think there's a few things at play. I think a lot of people, you know, and I think it's more of like a Bitcoin Ethereum EVM kind of world over here. And Bitcoin over here, I think a lot of people feel that they've they've missed the boat on Bitcoin and want to kind of stay over in Ethereum. That they've missed a lot of the the potential upside of participating in that. I think you know when you look at data, a lot of people don't care about privacy and security as much as a lot of us will think. And so they're you know when they look at Ethereum or other chains. It's less of a kind of a concern uh, than for a lot of us in the Bitcoin kind of mindset. I think we completely believe that Stacks will have its heyday as you as you outline. But I think you know Mainnet is 
you know, a little over a year old. Um, and the ecosystem is still relatively small. We've taken a big hit right now with the bear markets and same with the public uh, equities market and which, you know, impacts crypto as well. And so um, I think ultimately this bear market is going to be good for stacks because <clears throat> this is when this is when the projects with substance, technology, strong community, all of those kind of components will will rise to the top. And you know, I think <clears throat> when you look at um, you know, stacks isn't isn't flashy; it's substantive. And and I think you you know that feels to me what the community really kind of uh, it, it kind of. Um, is about it's about a lot of substance and so i think a lot of people you know if, if you look at it think about any technology adoption curve um it takes you know we're still in the very beginning of web 3 in crypto you look at the gdp of web 2 versus the gdp of web 3 pales in comparison and so um you know there's the there's a lot of fragmentation it's not easy to go chain to chain there's a lot of entrenched interests in Ethereum and other chains. Um, you know, I think one of the things to really look at is it's just like, um, you know, as we started to see like AWS, you know, in cloud, you know, launched a public cloud first, then Google Cloud Platform and, um, and Microsoft Azure and all that. The thing is, is, Google has the best cloud, the best technology by far, but AWS had first mover advantage. Every, all the developers, IT decision makers, all learned AWS, and so they're just not willing to to really change uh, until the until those incentives kind of became right for them. So you know, th- there's those types of di- dynamics um, that will be um, that will be at play. But you know, we're we're still uh, incredibly bullish on stacks and. Um, uh, and you know, I think it's a really unique community. Well said. Um, you, you, I want to tease out two things in there. I'm curious because I think a lot of us are looking for like what's what's the lead domino that might le- lead to mass adoption. And I think you could touch on a couple of them, which is like decentralization and privacy hasn't had its heyday. People just don't really value it, um, and it. It might come in the future with regulation or some other thing, but then you also have that because Ethereum was the first mover in smart contracts, EVM compatibility is the standard for for uh, like developer p- people developing in, on blockchains. And so I've heard some rumblings of EVM hyperchains, but you still have to teach them clarity. I'm assuming, or would it be compatible? I, out of those two, do you think is one of those bigger than another, or what do you think is the lead domino? Um, I mean, so I think one of the, I think the lead domino might actually be regulation and, and things like the SEC regulating crypto and enabling different various consumer protections and different aspects like that. Um, you know, I, it's, it's back to that technology adoption curve. We're still at the tiny, tiny front. Like it goes innovators, uh, early adopters, early majority, you know, laggards, and then, you know, the people at the tail end who, you know, finally show up to the party. And so, you know, 
right now, um, it can only be so big. Crypto can only get so big because it's not it's not currently regulated. There's too much risk for a lot of institutions, um, you know, certain hedge funds that you know take you know institutional money. So I think once there's regulatory clarity, that might be the the domino that does it. I think one of the things that Stacks did though, which is which was incredible, is that it, it was actually the first SEC regulated asset, uh, digital asset, which found some. I, I read the paper the other day. It was like it's not a security and not a, a current. It was like found some like gray territory to get, but you know, even still, that's that's not enough for you know a lot of uh, institutions to come in, and you know, there it's it, there's incredible high barriers to to entry to using wallets to get, gaining tokens to participating in discords and you know all all of that stuff. Native Bitcoin transactions will be a, a big domino. I think that that could really unlock a lot of capital into the ecosystem. And I think, you know, more real world use cases where Web3 can actually really shine, you know, as DAOs proliferate and, um, and take on kind of new shape, new governance and new communities. I think, I think DAOs might be really kind of one of the, the biggest dominoes it's, that people just don't have their head around yet. Uh, of how that can really transform thing. I, I recently joined uh, the Lynx DAO, which is a golf DAO, and I've just been blown away by the community and the way that the team's been executing. And you know, being able to connect Web three tools to IRL experiences and participated, financed, organized, voted upon connected with the tools of web three. And I think, you know, if, if we can continue to build that stuff in stacks and bring those ideas and attract more developers and more founder, great founders, um, we'll absolutely be seeing that, that growth. Love that. Okay. We're coming up on time. Um, I want to be respectful of, of your calendar. I like to end on a high note though. And usually I'm talking to a builder and I'm talking about, okay, let's imagine, you know, it's three, four, five years in the future, which is 70 in crypto time. And you guys have just crushed it. What's that look like? But you, it's what, I'm talking to Jonathan, the individual, and, you know, go back to your LinkedIn. Like you've done 10 different things over the past 15 years. Do you think VC is the thing or what's your next, what's your next decade look like? What, what's your plan? I'm curious. Yeah, we're we're very committed to Gossamer and and continuing to build this business. Um, you know, I think you know Chris and I are, are entrepreneurs at heart. So uh, you know, we want to grow Gossamer, the venture capital function that we that we do. We want to get better at our DeFi portfolio. We want to get better at supporting founders and finding great founders and, and great investment opportunities for for our LPs and. Uh, we want to improve our our ability our abilities to be technical partners, validators. We do mine stacks and do other things like this. So we 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 are active and, and participate. So we want to continue to do that, build those functions out. Um, but you know, we're also uh, builders ourselves. So you know, we have several uh, start other startups that we're incubating uh, right now that are Web three focused. So you know. 
stay tuned on on some of that. Um, you know, we may later this year have some announcements there. So you know, we're going to be incubating businesses, and then um, you know, that's that's kind of uh, you know, I think that should keep me busy for the next the next five years and uh, just uh, enjoying all the the various hobbies and uh, time off that I can that I can spare with uh, family and friends. So sounds like a great life. Any closing thoughts or things I didn't, I didn't ask that you want to end on. No, oh, this has been, this has been tremendous. Um, thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, share a bit more about Gossamer and uh, why we are such uh, big believers in stacks and the community and everybody within the stacks community, reach out to us. We'd love to, uh, we'd love to chat and, um, and yeah, thank you so much, uh, Jake, for all you do. Perfect. Thank you. I mean, uh, I love Stacks. It's, it's safe to say that Stacks, the past year I've been here, has changed the trajectory of my life, which is kind of crazy to say. And uh, you've played no small part in building up this ecosystem. So, so thank you. And thank you for taking the time, shedding some light on what a VC does. But uh, yeah, thank you, Jonathan. My pleasure. Thank you, Jake. It was, it was very enjoyable. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting now, I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out, cause I don't think about everything going wrong.